0: Welcome to another episode of Boosting Your Occupancy, and today I'm thrilled to be joined by Honor Barrett, the CEO of Birchgrove. So, Honor, hi. Hi.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank, thank you. you. It's, it's,
0: it's brilliant. Honor, yeah. shall we start with you introducing yourself?
1: Yeah. So, I'm Honor. I'm Chief Exec of Birchgrove, which is my baby, uh, and we've been going for. Almost seven years now, and we are 100% entirely focused on renting in retirement. We have nine developments in various stages within and around the n 25 some open, uh, some in construction, and one... Oh, actually, I haven't got any in planning right now, because I got planning mm. last week, so that's it. i right. through planning at the moment. And how about Chiswick? Chiswick mm. used to be the police station. It's opposite Marks and Spencer's. It's on the high road. Mm. My oldies will trot out all day long spending money in local businesses letter picking turning up for events yeah will be fundamentally part of chiswick high road and that and it's a really tight community Those chiswick residents you know they're quite sharp elbowed. It wasn't an easy planning journey mm. but i think in two years time when our oldies move in they're mm. going to go god oh, th- this is a beneficial addition to chiswick high road rather than at the moment they're worried that just gonna flood them with old people who will be a drain on the state. And that's as you and I know, that is not the case. Yes. I'm interested a little bit in your background as well and how you run your business.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I've been in this industry of retirement living care sector for about ten years. Before that I was in the hotel industry for twenty five years. So I I always have a passion for customer experience and I think there's a real overlap as well with, with hospitality mm. and senior living. And a lot of what I do is, is sort of cross-sector cross mm. f- fertilization, taking ideas and, and seeing if they will work. I think, though, for, for me, it came more when I was helping my grandma in her later years. And then I started to go around and look at some of these and I think it was just a, a moment of realisation for me that in England, we, we needed so many more. These retirement living villages and, and just such a need to change the perception mm. of retirement living villages, which I think we've still got such a long way off. And what could I do to really help with that and, and also help with loneliness, which, which is, I think, the real core of why I'm in here. Yeah,
1: that's interesting. We've been playing with something recently about it's really difficult to quantify the social of our ESG isn't it like the impact of that? And like you can look at events calendar all you like and think, Oh, there we go, they've got 50 events every month. And we're thinking about trying to track loneliness hours averted because the loneliness is the thing that impacts us physically and mentally as well, isn't it? And so we haven't quite got there yet. But tracking every hour of loneliness that we undo, or throw aside, or push off, yeah, that's where we think we, we need to get to next. So you can actually evidence. It's not just, gosh, look, how pretty this building. is. genuine evidence about how I can make you feel physically and mentally better.
0: I think that would be great. I I think we definitely don't have enough evidence of the huge impacts we have on people's quality of life. I know there's been something around bio-age versus chronological age.
1: I think Mm. Jamie Bunce is doing an amazing job over there. He's like, Mm. Jesus Christ, that bloke is a live wire. He's just so passionate about it, isn't he, Mm -hmm. that he can... Take a resident and in six months' time make them feel five years old. To be at the age of 82 yeah. and actually feel like you're physically getting stronger is extraordinary. So yeah. I'm very envious of his programmes.
0: Would you like to say about why you got into is it industry?
1: I mean, it's very similar to you. You have a personal journey, don't you? My personal obsession with a woman called Deirdre.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> Who I love and adore. And I mean, I think everybody knows that. I came here because of Deirdre. Last year, I finally got Deirdre to come and have lunch. My parents live in our Birch Grove Woking community.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: yeah. So I finally got Deirdre yeah. to come and have lunch with my parents in the community. And I could see her looking around, and she had expected that I was going to take her to a care home, and she went there, and she was like, geez, you know, these scallops are lovely. Like, mm. it was, you know, it's, it's special. But she's had such a tough lockdown. I think her sort of, you know, agoraphobia just, I don't know if I'll ever get her out of bed. She's my muse. Yeah.
0: and know on other podcasts you talk about Peter.
1: <gasps> Peter. Oh my God, that bloke. He's the. He was mm. the fundamental guiding light behind the construction of a woken community. still lives there now. First one in. Hopefully yeah. he'll be the last one out. Adore him. And the... Do you know what? In Sharpen, we talk about the ballerina inside. So your body might be completely busted up, but inside you are who you were at the age of 32. And at the age of 32, he sat on the board of Safeway. And so every time I turn up, he wants to talk to me about business. He wants to know about what I think about interest rates and where it's... You know, he doesn't doesn't want to talk to me about his ailments. He wants to talk to me about business. So yeah, we've got a lot of muses.
0: (laughs) Nice to hear. And if we focus on occupancy now... In the press a few months ago, it was celebrated that two of your developments, Cup and Woking, had achieved 100%. So I'm thinking of the, the whole sales life cycle mm. from before opening to mm. during. It would be lovely to, to hear some initiatives or your thoughts.
1: That was such a magical moment for us when we finally got a wait list mm. at Cup because that was a long time coming. took us four and a half years, admittedly all but nine of those months were sort of COVID, but it did take four and a half years and it's only 74 units. And I think probably my first statement here would be, it's hard. It takes a miserable amount of time. You don't think you're ever going to get there, but for me, anybody planning to come into this industry, you have to hold the line. You're going to do two a month. <laughs> and whatever initiative you try and do and however crazy it might get, you mm. do two a month. And mm-hmm. please don't write a business plan that says you're going to do five a month. Because they just, it, dust is impossible. That's one of the reasons why I really wanted to talk to you today on this podcast is like, why can we not move off that two a month? Why can none of us do five a month? But SIGCUP so took yeah. four and a half years. So what have I learned? There's a Carterwood stat that tells you the better the start, yeah. the better the trajectory. yeah. And so fundamentally, we yeah. agree with that. You get a shitty start, it's bloody hard all the way through. Yeah. So we actually mm-hmm. now, on our lower mill, which is our Yule community, we've got a 36% off plan. So now our targets for off plan are 40%. And actually, our Godelman community, we've just had to move that target up to 50% because the team are doing so bloody well. It's like, shit, that target wasn't high enough. You know, there's now an extra massive bonus for them if they get 50%. If we can get 50% off plan, we're up and flying, aren't we? Yeah. That's the strong start that Carter would say, get that start, and then the next bit is easier. The bit that comes after that is 50% to 75%, which is absolute misery. And... In all my community, well, I mean, I've only done three. <laughs> so, in the three that I've done, Ellie, yeah. all three of them seem to get stuck at about sixty-six percent. And mm. you do five months, where every time you move someone in, somebody else dies, and we mm. get, we got stuck on sixty-six. And every board meeting I go to, they look at me like, "Honour, oh, what are you doing wrong? Why can't you sort this? What, you know, are, is anybody focusing on this? Why are you standing still?" I had it recently, and I have to say, guys, remember. Wow. Sig cup did this there was a period between 50 and 75 percent where it was absolutely brutal and now look at it it is a hundred percent occupancy in the month of february and it has a ready list so hold your nerve and then the last 25 percent, from 75 to 100 is the dynamic pricing moment so it's the most powerful thing to be able to say oh no we don't have any one left and people go Shit, and they start to panic and they will take whatever the dynamic pricing is really fun because you can actually exceed target at that point because if you've only got one left, people don't, you know, take it. So the life cycle of a fill-up is really interesting. It's a different salesperson. So mm. the off-plan salesperson, they're the easiest sales, I think, That's mm. where I love to thrive because you can't talk about product, you can't show product, there's nothing to show all you're doing is talking about your prospect and what they need from you. And you're sitting in their house, yeah. their home, yeah. and you are talking about how it might feel. No one is getting distracted by products. So the off-plan salesperson can conjure up that dream. The fill-up person has to be incredibly resilient. Mm. emotionally because you're going from 50% to 75% you're in that brutal everybody's looking at you like what the hell are you doing so you have to have resilience um, and that's tough and then the stabilized person that's quite difficult I mean I've only got two communities that are 100% so I'm looking at Mm. salespeople who sometimes have nothing to do because there's no vacancy all they can do is build a wait list and so you have to find a way of bonusing Salespeople who aren't actually able to do any move ins because all they're doing is managing a wait list. And so that's a different mm. sales personality type as well. So that is one of the things that I've learned in the last few months running stabilized occupancy. Every different bit of this journey has a different kind of personality to it. Yeah, that's what
0: makes it fun. What would be interesting for us to explore is in, in my role, I go around a lot of different operators mm. and you know, work with investors to see how we can improve the sales velocity and
1: can mm. i pick your brains first though Mm. so because you you are going around and looking much more than i am yeah what have you seen that moves the dial is there anything out there you think that i don't know that i could steal yeah what good ideas are out
0: there i work across the sales and marketing funnel so i think if we take the bottom half first how could we improve conversions what i think is often weak is the follow-up process from sales and marketing working together to keep that interest going, because if you look at Sherpa statistics, they would say the sales life cycle for a retirement village is 253 days, and for a care home it's 90 days. And so it's what are we doing constantly to keep those touch points, whether it's inviting them to event? Is it a newsletter? Some people miss that systematic way of sales mm. and marketing coming. Mm. How is that for yourself?
1: So Sherpa has the active leads which are managed by the sales and the future leads which are managed by the marketing team yeah and we have this amazing woman Edna who you know who manages all the future leads so her job is to make every future lead feel like we are personally communicating with them Mm. when she nails it what I see happening is people walk into the developments and they're holding that piece of marketing that she sent them and they feel like it was a personal letter. To, and they'll mm. walk in and they'll say, oh, well, Anna, you sent me this letter. And I'm like, oh, Jesus. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course I did. It felt yeah. so intimate mm. and insightful. And mm. she is trying to mark it to their stages of readiness. Yeah. So if they're completely in denial, she is talking about them. It's, the story is all about them. What do, you, yeah. what do you need to untangle in your life? But I suppose we all have this fundamental insight. Well, they called me for a reason. So even when they won't talk to me about that reason, they picked up the phone for some reason. But yeah. it's not just because they had nothing else to do on a saturday afternoon. They called for a reason. And so our job is to find that reason.
0: Another best practice recommendation for speeding up sales rates would be carrying out community outreach, starting much before the site opens and then carrying on. And there's lots of different segments of people that are around you. There's sports clubs like bridge people or bowling clubs, there's I love that you doctors. think bridge is sport. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I mean, it, yeah. it's, it's a mental sport. There could be 50 to 100 doctors, surgeries, there's hairdressers, there's... I think why this doesn't happen is often it's not clear whose role it is. Is it sales? Is it mm-hmm. marketing? A relationship director or a partnership director? However, I think if you if you do get them on side, they can be like your ambassadors and like an extension of your sales army who can just keep supporting you throughout the whole of your sales life cycle
1: so i don't think i realized how powerful it could be until we took into our team an american called gary and i've now said his name on your podcast and i really hope no one comes and steals gary from me because he's an american he is totally comfortable at walking up to the local church introducing yeah. himself to the vicar <laughs> yeah. and off and running and he had yeah. his point of difference is, oh my god the american and everybody in the in the local high students. Oh, my yeah. God, the American. Jesus. He's the one who's launched mill for us at 36% pre-let, and he's now trying to get 50% at Godalming. He has no shyness, no shame. He understands that it's not a Monday 9 to 5 thing. So he will be there on a Saturday afternoon, running a stall at the Village fate and he will go on Sunday morning, and mm. he will go to the theatre on a Tuesday night. You know, outreach is not yeah, it's not easy. Mm. and Now, Gary has set the template that 12 months before opening, we call them the NED, Neighbourhood Executive Director, Gary's role, he starts, and his job for 12 months is to build those local contacts. Yeah. And supporting Gary is his amazing amazing sort of work wife called Kelly, (laughs) and she's the salesperson, so she starts 12 months out, and they work hand-in-hand together. She's doing loads of home visits. He's out with the vicar, and... Between the two of them, they're just building this amazing trajectory.
0: Right. So twelve months out, but then what happens when you open? Does Gary carry on?
1: Carried on at Lower Mill, but then when we started to open the new one, we were like, we need more Gary. Yeah, so yeah. Actually, this is it. Gary recruited yeah. his own replacement at Lower Mill, trained her up, Emma. Mm. She's she's now a mini Gary. Yeah. And she her ability to network with the U three A. Yes. Uh, the exactly. Choir. Yeah. Again, the church. Um, she's taken Gary's template, and she's now the next Gary. Gary moves on to the next development.
0: Yeah, because yeah. those different stages you said—the yeah. the, the pre-opening, the the fill-up, the stabilizing—you know, there's a role for community outreach on all of those. Yeah, it's-
1: Actually, on that subject, because yeah. Sidcup's now got its wait list, mm. Mm. we almost spend no money at all now in Sidcup on marketing mm. because it's now got such a presence in the local community. Mm. It's self-fulfilling and. We're starting to see groups of friends bringing each other in. Mm. We don't even have to particularly activate the referral. Sisters and aunts and people like yeah. that moving in. There's actually quite a few connections and lots coming through the church. So that's the dream, isn't it? Not only is there a ready list, you're not actually paying to generate it. Exactly. That, doing it themselves. That's
0: the ultimate. Some international places that we benchmark got 40% or something coming through that channel. In England, we've also. this this negative perception that we're we're trying to shift as well at the same time
1: yeah that's the penetration point isn't it that's Mm. that there's not enough of us doing it i remember i called nick sanderson the other day at audley and i said oh you know i'm thinking about taking development down the road what do you think he was like oh fill your boots on her because the more of us who are spending money Mm. locally Mm. the more friends will have been to visit each other the more we will it's not scary i was talking to an american yesterday who said, the Americans are like 15 years ahead of us. I said, okay. when, are we gonna, when are we gonna have this moment where mm. none, we're not thinking about care homes anymore, people are thinking about, mm. they know what extra care assisted living, whatever you want to call it, IRC. Mm. He said, he thinks it's three to five years
0: mm.
1: that the, Ameri- the UK market will go past that sort of tipping point and we'll be in the zone where everybody has a friend who lives in an IRC mm. and everybody's ready to join a wait list. God, I hope he's right. Can you imagine three to five years? Yeah, well, that that would be
0: great. That that will be you know sooner than we think. And I, I know there are some initiatives coming up, like Arco, are working on a collective awareness campaign, and that will be great to educate more consumers about the benefits of IRCs. Other tips and tricks for increasing sales velocity would be try before you buy, where you can give customers a taste of what it's like to live at your communities for a few days or longer and another area would be home visits
1: i love a good home visit oh my god they're amazing however
0: many others aren't doing that
1: and i get that it is really embarrassing when someone calls you up and they say Mm. can you send me a brochure you say Mm. great can i come to your house yeah you have to try and get over that embarrassment because actually when you turn up, yeah. they're so ready for you and they're all dressed up and they've, got, they've made the cake <laughs> and they've got the china yeah. rest, and they haven't I've had a visitor for ages and yeah. They lo- and you just walk into their house and, I mean, yeah, with Peter, that one from working. I yeah. just walked into his house and was like, Oh my god, Peter, why would you leave this house? Because mm. it was so glorious. All he wants to do is tell oh, you know, I planted that rose bush in nineteen fifty four and this is where my kids had a swing and you know, that's what he wants to talk about. The home visit is so unbelievably intimate. Yeah that we've been in their home it makes it so much easier for them to come to our home before i met sherpa one of the things i really struggled with is that line that we all hear as salespeople i'm not ready yet yeah <laughs> and before when i was working at Rangeford with octopus you'd get the i'm not ready yet and then you would just write that down as a reason why that lead is now is not coming mm, you put them mm. you know why is it that you're not converted they're not ready yet and what sherpa tells us is you haven't done your job which has helped them untangle their legacy they have to be able to package up their life, yeah. know what it meant, before they can turn towards a new life. Mm. And if you don't spend the time with them doing that, they're never going to say to you, I'm ready now. Yeah. And we know, as you know, Sherpa, that takes 18 hours for us. It should take us 12 yeah. hours, but currently Birch Grove is working 18 hours. But I saw it with my own parents. Um, I mean, they'd watched me build Birch Grove for five years, and then one day, the, their local estate agent called up and said, do you want evaluation? valuation? And my mum said, no, 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 thanks, we're not, we're not moving. And then she put the phone down and my dad said, I think I'm ready, let's do it. And so she mm-hmm. called him back and said, let's value the house. Mm-hmm. That was his moment. He was ready. He spent enough time thinking it through. I, I can't force it. Yeah. And that takes...
0: It takes time. It takes and time. Yeah. And we talk about 90% of people not being
1: um, I, yeah. ready.
0: Final area that I see as a weak area across a lot of operators is the call handling experience from that first call. There were some scary figures produced the other week saying something like 65% of inquiries get missed. Oh my God. Yeah, and, and they, they had some science around the times that most people call. It was something like Friday nights between seven to 10 at night. In my job, I listen to a lot of calls. Those two moments around, are people answering the phone 24 seven? And then what is that discovery call experience Mm. like? It's so important. And the first impression, getting all those questions out to make people feel like you've connected with them. Yeah,
1: you've heard them. For like the first four years, probably me and my brain, Matt, I don't know if you know Matt. He's like my better half. I knew that data was going to be so important to batch growth. So I was like the yeah. first employee And second employee was Matt, and his job is data and insight. Mm. And from the first minute, he just started tracking all our interactions. What do we do? What do we know? What are they saying to us? Right. What are we hearing? Mm. So it was the two of us for about four years yeah. answering the phones mm. <laughs> like constantly throughout mm. the weekends and stuff. And then about two years ago, finally, we had enough salespeople on the team that we could stop doing it. And one of them, so they work every 8th weekend, I think, and they have to answer the phone night or day, Saturday, Sunday, whatever it happens, because quite often the prospect themselves has time to chat, but it's the influencer, isn't it, it's the mm-hmm. daughter, and she, you can feel yeah. her at 6pm on a Sunday night, and she's like, shit,
0: got to get oh, yeah. on top of this, <laughs> Yeah, if,
1: you know, once I go back to work tomorrow morning, I've lost another week, and yeah. it's 6 o'clock on a Sunday night, and she's like, oh my God, I've got to get this done. Quite often actually she's not calling us. She quite often likes to deal by text. I mean it's amazing yeah, how often yeah. we're actually texting these mm, these daughters of. Because mm. that work you know, that's all they can take on. They're so bloody busy. I think we're good. Uh Sherpa does capture every lead and it put it puts it in a position where it's difficult to ignore it. And mm. Matt and I tool around Sherpa every evening, really. <laughs> The last sort of 30 minutes of the day, just tooling around, having a look, trying to pick up insight. What are people saying to us? But you can very clearly see on Sherpa if a contract has been made that day and it hasn't been dealt with, it's still in bold. It's still sitting there going,
0: I think that would be another reason that you're so successful, I think, is your passion for data and Mm -hmm. and insight. So, yes, some people won't have the, the CRM we're talking about. But I did a podcast recently with, with the Sherpa ladies and we were talking about how we wish there was a universal common language for the key metrics that matter in a sales and marketing. So, so in hotel sector where I work a lot, everyone uses the same metrics, total revenue per available room, gross operating profit, and we just benchmark and everybody's giving the same information so you can always see where you are. We were trying to debate what are the two key metrics, like is it the conversion ratios from lead to visit and then from visit to move in just if we all talked this common language then if someone's saying oh well i'm doing well because my, i've got good sales velocity we would understand in a similar language
1: that's really interesting i've not really thought about that before we're so nascent this industry aren't we We, mm. we just started a project with night frank because what we do retire, rental is so yeah. new mm. it is affecting valuation from incoming investment because there's not enough data, there's not enough comps. And so the fact that we managed to sell two assets to M&G is extraordinary, that they would take that punt on us and believe that this was going to be the, the next big thing, because there's no data to tell them that this is going to succeed. As this market matures, and as people like Knight Frank make the effort to collect the data, and that probably will establish a common language, investors will be able to look in and go, "Ah, oh, I can assess that business because I understand mm. the language, I can see the comps, and therefore I can quantify the risk. We actually share quite a lot of our data with Night Frank, which seems counterintuitive to tell them, oh, I you know, all the secrets, I knew I had some secrets. But until we get more common language, more shared data, and more yeah. comps, we're not going to get the valuations that we deserve.
0: Oh, that's great that you're doing that. Trying to have conversations with the likes of Carter Wood, for instance, because they obviously have their platform where you can look at sales rates. However, as they will say, it hasn't got rental information on mm-hmm. that. That's half the story missing sometimes. And then also it has a lag effect. So in you know, yes, four or six months, months whereas yeah. where I just want a live platform where I can see everyone in, in England who's not performing well so I can help as a troubleshooter.
1: I would say none of us are performing well. I would suggest that none of us are nailing it. None of us are knocking it out of the park. We're all underachieving. And it is lunacy to suggest anything else. We all need more sales. Yeah. So let's just fess up.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I, and I think that is a great um, open approach to have. Share best practices or how how we yeah. can help each other.
1: Because the more penetration we have, the better for all of us. And also the people inside of us who love old people. Fundamentally, it doesn't really matter whether someone moves into a birch grove or an Ordley or a retirement village. As long as they find their home, everyone's a winner. Everybody's better off. That person mm. is now that much happier and feels that much more secure living in the perfect environment for them. And, you know, the other the other bit that gives me real joy is moving... Um, an older person out of a four-bedroom house, they live in on yeah. their own, and freeing that up for a family to live yeah. in, yeah. that is a moment of pride that we should really celebrate. We should yeah. really acknowledge our contribution there to the housing market. There were not enough houses in this country, and every time someone moves in with us, 2.3 bedrooms get, someone's now sleeping in those 2.3 bedrooms that previously were empty.
0: Yeah, I, to- I totally agree with you. And just to come back to when you were touching on rental, There is an increasing focus on rental. Mm. I just wondered if you had any thoughts about how you see this evolving? Ali,
1: I feel a bit like what's happened in the world, maybe even since 2016, since Brexit, I've not seen coming. (laughs) I did not see Putin. I mean, presumably somebody knew it was going to happen, but I didn't. I didn't see what's going on there in the Middle East. So I have no belief in my ability to predict. Mm. So all I can do is rely on Michael Vogue at Arca who says he believes rental will be 50% of the market by 2030. Mm. So he knows more than I do. I think that would be amazing because what I've seen with our customers is rental picks up lots of people who are otherwise excluded from the retirement model. So... The success of rental doesn't come at the success of sales, like a rising tide is floating both those boats. Yeah. So um, everyone's a winner when rental wins as well. So 50% would be a really great target by 2030.
0: Yeah, well, thanks for saying that. I didn't have that statistic on my radar because I work in sales and marketing. I always just want customer choices in sort of just yep. giving them the options that, that suit them. And so... Yeah, for me, sometimes having rental sales, other versions of hybrids is just um, helpful. But yeah, it really comes down more to what your customer wants.
1: You know, that's one of the things that Sherpa now called the line mm. taught us, that it is our responsibility to answer that phone. And if that person says, do you take housing benefit? We'd say no, but I know these people doing what they do is really great. So you have to signpost. That is your... That is your responsibility mm. not to say to that person, sorry, you can't afford us. You have to absolutely help that person get to the right place. Or mm. if someone will only buy, mm. then we'll say, okay, great. These are the three local communities I think that are really fantastic that offer sale. You have to do that. You cannot just let that customer drift off and go back and stay in that.
0: Oh, I think that's quite inspiring. And I think as well as rental, the other topic that we hear more about, what might be coming more in the future, is more affordable retirement living. I know this is touched on in some of the conferences around the mid-market. Or, I mean, what is the exact price yeah. point? But affordability with a small A.
1: So we as a team try to commit to being affordable to more than 50% of the local population because none of us are motivated by only looking after rich people. Mm. We want to be able to be affordable to that classic mid-market, which is quite difficult to quantify. The thing that's holding us back now is the cost of our money. It is seen as a risky proposition. So our money, that we we take equity and debt, and it's really expensive. So I'm now in that virtual circle of if I have more competition Mm. and there's more comps, the investors are full more confident. They'll give us more money that will be at a lower cost because they'll see that there's less risk because there's more comps. And then we will be able to push out beyond the bloody enclaves of the m 25 And actually, for me, to put a birch grove in every town in this country make me so happy. But it has to be affordable to more than 50% of the local population. And I need the cost of my money to go down. Therefore, I need some more competition. Ooh. Interlinked.
0: Yeah. Okay, well, maybe to finish on something inspiring, mm-hmm. um, I thought I might share with you something I picked up in the news in the last few weeks that I felt inspiring Great. for our sector. There's a, a five-star hotel near where I live called Cliveden. Yes. Some Pronounce it Cliveden. Yeah. They recently have been running a program to provide customer service excellence training to Oakland Care. Oh, wow. I'm, I'm going to try and talk to the, hmm. to, to the leader there. The leader
1: executive, I believe. Oh, well. <laughs> well, that's why it's nailing
0: it. Yeah. And I just like the the refreshing thinking for me, the inspiring of, oh, let's think out the box a bit. Mm.
1: Also for mm. the, I remember, I'm assuming that's about training carers in, in excellence and how exciting as a young carer to feel like you're being invested in that and people give a shit about your ability to be better and to get something out of your job. Wow, oh, man, for people to just, it, want to do that with you? I think it would make Oakland's staff retention go
0: through the roof. Yeah, absolutely. If they feel so yeah. valued. and I think it was chefs as well.
1: Oh, good for them. Yeah, that's inspiring. So. Thank you for
0: sharing I, yes. that. But how about yourself? Anything that is
1: well? Positive for you? I was thinking mm-hmm. about the sort of context of this wider discussion around mm. sales rates, and I don't know if this is going to work. But one of the things that we all know is that we will hear in a sales appointment, I don't want to live with old people. And we all know what I was just talking about, the 50 to 70% is bloody hard to fill up because the building feels half full and it's a big building and it's only got half people in it. And yeah. it feels empty and that's why it's so brutally hard. So our experiment at Mill Hill, yeah. which our newest development, is taking third and fourth floor and putting in key workers, students, yeah. postgrads. So they're moving in the 1st of September. Mm. staff are training and making all their mistakes on the students. And then first of yeah. October, mm. hopefully 40% of the apartments will be filled with the oldies. And from the very beginning, will that building at that point effectively be 60% full and feel like it's buzzing? And our oldies will feel that they're helping key workers, Which, you know, post mm-hmm. um, pandemic. We all are completely familiar with that term now and we understand those people need support. And the oldies will get more insight into what it is to be a Gen Z. And mm. those preconceptions that we have about students and, oh, my God, they're all drinking and partying. Then actually they're not. They're, unbelievably studious and they care about the world and they probably drink less than we do. I yeah. think all those preconceptions about those the two cohorts of students mm. and mm. old people will be blown apart as they spend time with each other and realise, gosh, there's more that unites them than divides them. So that is... My experiment for 2024, if we could pull that off, I'd just be so happy. It would make me so happy that students would be supportive. I'd have a full building. The oldies would live longer because they felt inspired, like they were valued. I think if we can pull it off, everyone's a winner. If it's a mess, I mean, we've just got to work to make sure. It's, it's amazing. Yeah,
0: I think it will be a total success. I really applaud you for that.
1: We do have to keep innovating. We Cannot take our customer for granted, even though there's tons of them. And we have to know that our customer is changing right now. The boomer is going to be a more. <laughs> we think we've got about 10% of boomers at the moment, and they are different, man. They are. Mm, mm. They are. They're just so fun, <laughs> but they're demanding. Yeah. We cannot, we cannot rest on our laurels. We cannot think that build it and they will come because that's just too lazy. Got to innovate.
0: Well, I, th- I think that is the perfect ending it's not about build it they will come it's about mm. innovating and using critical insight to mm. um evolve
1: mm.
0: so yeah thank thank you thank you for oh. that brilliant ending and thank thank you for today it's been really enjoyable and insightful well, talking that. to you i've
1: learned things off you as well, <laughs> well it's always good there's no point investing in yes. to learn something
0: so good thank you oh thank you Anna.